Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. That's right, honey. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Hey guys, welcome back. It is me, Jimmy Zito, your host here at the Life to the Full podcast, a message to Christians. We are continuing our deconstruction or dissection or deep dive into the first principle studies. Uh, Again, I've been a member of the International Churches of Christ for uh, over 20 years now. Uh, I've been through a lot with this church. I've been through what's commonly referred to as the letter or those dark times where the church kind of fell apart over the years uh, through the process of learning how to read my Bible more intelligently, deeper, uh, kind of taking more into consideration its own context. uh, I have found myself on the other side of the fence from a lot of these studies. Uh, These studies have changed over the years. This is the, I would say maybe the present iteration of it. Uh, you can get this at uh, Illumination Publishers. Hold that up for you guys, Illumination Publishers. I also put a link to that in the show notes. I was I was on their website uh, just a few days ago, so I know this isn't here. This is here. I don't think it's branded as New York City Church of Christ. Um, so I think this is from the New York City Church of Christ. Um, I could could be wrong. It could just be just a generic set of studies that Illumination Publishers put together. Um, I'm really not given a lot of information uh, from this booklet itself. I was gifted this booklet um, from the ministry couple here. Uh, I believe they were they were trying to, I don't know if they did an equipping class or if they went through this everybody, but I think the idea was that they, they wanted everyone to have, uh, have this so that they could, uh, you know, reach out to people and understand what they're doing. Um, so... I am here. I'm going through this. A lot of these things um, that I'm going to be talking about uh, with you guys in the podcast and the YouTube channel or wherever it is that you're consuming this media is think conversations that I've tried to have over the years um, that I don't think I ever actually really w- got an opportunity just to lay it all out. You know, uh, for many years now, I've been trying to, you know, I guess maybe act the role of the reformer in my own small way, in my own small corner of this church. Um, But, you know, at at a certain point, it was always very hard to get very far. Uh, Maybe we would stop at one point. It would turn into like, you know, a disagreement. You know, certain times we would agree to disagree. Other times it was more of just like we're agreeing to pick this up later because, you know, you know, it just it, w- it wouldn't work. So I'm hoping that in this format, where we kind of lay everything out, this is what this is what I'm thinking. This is why I feel like 
uh, we're missing the point in a lot of ways when we come to uh, what's been come to call what's been come to be called the studies, right? It was called the studies when I was first coming into this church in my twenties. And now you see this is named like first principles, but I think people would still call this, Hey, this is studying the Bible. Like when you meet someone new, maybe a visitor comes out to a church, to the church or a church event, you go, Hey, have you ever thought about studying the Bible? They come to a Bible talk. Um, Someone's visitor, maybe they're your visitor, maybe they're your friend that you work with, you go to school with, hey, would you like to study the Bible? Typically, you mean some type of version of this, where you'll be kind of going through a carefully curated list of scriptures. Uh, although I don't think uh, a church would agree that that's what it is. They would just say, no, 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 this is the gospel. This is this is what the Bible says. Um, anyone can see it. Anyone can read it. Anyone can go into it. Um, you know, this, the idea would be you're helping someone get saved. If you're on a podcast, you can't hear my, my air quotes. Uh, getting saved, uh, going to heaven, um, being a member of the church at the very least. Um, these are the things that we all kind of have to agree on and we have to kind of get behind if we're going to be, uh, you know, members of this church together. So that's that. So I've gone through uh, kind of, you know, in my own kind of typical style. Uh, if you're kind of just tuning in now, I've gone through uh, an extensive reading of the table of contents is kind of like really bright in here. I might have to turn that down or something. You've kind of, we've kind of gone through an extensive list of the table of contents. We are going to be starting. Uh, we're going to be doing the timeline study today. So let me, uh, let me pull up my first principles for you guys. For those of you following along on the YouTube, so you can kind of see where we're at here. So again, awesome graphic. Really love the cover of this book. Uh, we're going to be going through, uh, can you see my mouse? Oh, yeah, cool. You can see my mouse. The timeline, or what I would have known it as, is uh, the Seeking God study. And this would have been the study that I would have been the most familiar with uh, as a Christian, uh, teaching, trying to teach this to other people, trying to get them into my church. Um, this was kind of like a your your elevator pitch or you know your initial sales meeting or whatever or whatever you want to think of it in terms of uh you really trying to to show somebody um cast a vision for a person and their life and get them excited about the bible and get them excited about you know potentially meeting with you and you know studying the bible with you all right so let's go to that so here is the timeline uh study or the seeking god study and they say the purpose right here is understand their spiritual journey up to now and work towards studying the Bible regularly. Uh, so again, the purpose here is to understand the spiritual journey up to now. So the assumption is that everyone is on a, on a spiritual journey, whether they know it or not. And um, this moment, this, this time when you're studying this Bible with this individual, uh, when the, per, the perspective member or the prospective Christian, however you want to think of it. Uh, everyone comes to these studies in a different place. Uh, you could be a person like when I first encountered a church, uh, I did not consider myself a Christian. I had grown up Catholic. And at that point in my life, I considered myself an, athe an atheist. I didn't really believe in God. Uh, I actually did like the Bible. I actually did read the Bible. Um, but I read it more like literature, as literature. I read it as uh, something important 
to, to understand the human condition. Uh, I did value the scriptures, uh, you know, in, in terms of a record of people over many, many years paying attention and noticing patterns. So I did like the Bible, even as an atheist. Uh, I know that kind of seems, <laughs> you know, a little strange, uh, but that's it. So they give you a teacher tip, teacher tips right here. Okay. It is a good idea to start to study with a good discussion about each other's spiritual or religious background. The more you get to know about their personal journey, the more you'll be able to help them apply scriptures to their life. As you ask questions, remember, this is a conversation, not an interrogation. So at this point, they're just saying, hey, man, you're just, it's, keep it easy breezy. This is a first meeting. Um, you know, at this point, maybe you want to have one other person there with you. Just want to be coming into this uh, like a conversation. This is an initial almost like meet and greet, even if this is a coworker, even if this is someone that you're a student with, a friend, a family member, this should be more of an easy breezy conversation. Like you just, you just want to do a lot of sharing. You want, you want to know about how did they grow up? What, what was your religious upbringing like? Um, you know, and you want to be, you want to be open with yours. If you have someone else there, uh, you want to have, you want them to be open as well. Uh, when we used to do the Seeking God study, we did a little bit of this. We know we kind of, you kind of do this so many times that you kind of had your own pitch, you know, oh, you know, I grew up Catholic. I was Catholic for many years. Uh, by the time I came out of the Catholic church, out of Catholic high school, I was, I was an atheist. Um, you know, at the time I would have said I didn't really uh, respect Catholicism because I didn't like the way that, you know, their lives seemed to match nothing up with the scriptures. Uh, so I became an atheist for, you know, a few years. And then, you know, I eventually ran to this church, studied the Bible, just like you're doing now. And then, you know, now I consider myself a Christian, consider myself a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. And you kind of have your, your elevator pitch. Um, depending on people's stories, maybe, you know, people have something else, you know, maybe they have some type of, some people call it testimony, whatever it is. This is not really a study that you really need anyone there with you, although it always is good to, to bring a buddy. Um, but, you know, you really don't, this isn't a study where you want to have a lot of people. I never did this with, with a whole bunch of other people, you know, it was always just like, well, no, actually, there would be times where I would use this as a Bible, as a Bible talk, right? So, if I had, if I had been doing a lot of outreach, uh, you know, on the campuses, because you know, most of my event evangelistic background came from being on the campuses as a full-time student, and uh, you know, I guess a volunteer campus minister. Uh, really, it felt like a, uh, a full-time job that I didn't get paid for. Um, you know, that, that's kind of how it was treated at the time as well. Um, you know, it was, if we did, if we had been doing a lot of outreach and we knew we were going to get a lot of people, this would be a good one for us to do because, you know, it would kind of grease the wheels, get people excited about the spiritual journey, their own spiritual journey. And, uh, you know, even kind of loosening up the gears in terms of, hey, after the, the Bible talk, after the event have you ever thought about studying the bible you know and then boom you can get you can get right into the word study or something like that so again the caution there is not to make an interrogation i think a lot of people and uh, i think the undertone here is that you're meeting with somebody 
wherever they feel like they land on the timeline, as we'll see, uh, the goal of this study uh, is to be used basically, especially with the timeline, which is not something that that I, I recall doing often. But the timeline, I could see it being a very useful thing when I was doing these studies because you could kind of then hold it up and you could show them, hey, you know, like you're actually not really a disciple. You're not really a Christian. Even if you thought you were, uh, you're not, you know, because the rest of the Bible studies are going to kind of go through uh, what the International Church of Christ would consider how you get saved, how you become a Christian, what does a Christian mean, uh, and all that all that fun stuff. So a spiritual timeline, this is a helpful exercise to mark. So I'm reading from the text from the uh, first principle study now, the timeline study. It's in bold red, a spiritual timeline. And then they're saying this is a helpful exercise to mark significant spiritual events. After filling this in, the person leading the Bible study will hold on to it for future studies. So you draw the horizontal line uh, from their birthday zero to their current age. As questions are answered, label them on the timeline. So, you know, you could ask them about, hey, what's some significant things in your life that have happened? Uh, oh, I got married. Oh, I got divorced. Oh, I had kids. Oh, I, I, I left my home state for this college that we're meeting in right now. Or whatever it is. Um, whatever. My parents got divorced. Um, got a new job. Uh First child was born, you know, I, I had, had a kid, uh, had a second child, got a job, got fired from a job, um, really felt very connected to God, uh, felt like, felt that I felt that God was speaking to me directly. Uh, you get all types of answers. Um, so, and there, they gave you an example of what a timeline would look like, right? And then they give you some questions that the, they're saying these are important things to, to point out, like, these are, these are important things that you want to know. You want to, Hey, would you say that you're a Christian? Um, you know, yes or no. If you ask, cool, cool. When, when do you feel like on this timeline that you became a Christian? Uh, and then, you know, you, you'd circle that label that, uh, for later, uh, what church or churches did you go to? Uh, were they Methodist? Were they Presbyterian? Were they Catholic? Were they Anglican? Were they Pentecostal? Were they, were you a Mormon? Like, you know, like what, whatever it is, Jehovah Witness, uh, what churches did you go to? Uh, and make, you'd make a note of those on the timeline as well. Have you personally studied the Bible? So have you yourself personally ever sat down and formally studied the Bible? Uh, you know, like when I, I believe someone did, maybe someone did do a timeline with me because I, I, am, I am having a memory of doing, I don't remember doing it, but you know, you never know. Like, I think if I ever did a timeline, it was it was later in the studies. It was more like during discipleship. Uh, so were you saved? How did that happen? Um, so, you know, do you believe your sins were forgiven? If so, when? So you want to know when? Um, if a person feels like they were a Christian, the most common response you get is people feel like a, a feeling of, of goodness or peace washing over them while they were praying or they had a moment of crisis where they reached out to God and they felt like God reached back and they felt like, yes, you know, like they were good with God. They had a relationship with God. Some people would be like, I, I don't, I don't think my sins were ever forgiven. Well, I don't even know what that means. You know? So you kind of just want to see if there's any relevant information. If it is, you're marking the timeline. Uh, where were you baptized? 
So were you ever baptized? Oh, you know, I grew up Catholic, so I'd be like, well, like, I was baptized as a baby, you know, like, um, I don't remember it. I was I'm sure I was there. They tell me I was there. There's pictures I've seen, uh, but I was baptized when I was a baby confirmed uh, when I was in middle school. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? You know, some people be like, I don't know, you know, maybe uh, I really don't know what that is. Uh, other people from a more, um, I believe, from a more Pentecostal tradition would be like, yes, they would have that specific time. They would know when they, they received the Holy Spirit because they would believe that so, there were some visible signs of that. So you just want fact-finding information. Uh, this, one is, this one is in a box. That usually means uh, that's important. How would you teach someone else to become a Christian? And you'd want to keep this very informal, but like very, very brief at this point. There are uh, no wrong answers, right? You, just, you want to just hear you're not trying to instruct at this point you just want to hear what they think when it comes to you know how would you teach someone to be a christian you know what would you do oh i would invite them to my church or or you know i would um just read the bible with them i would pray with them uh ask jesus to come into their heart uh you know whatever you would get you know so at that point you've had the idea is that you've had a nice conversation uh, you've kind of broken down some barriers. You've broken the ice. You've shared some things about your life, about your own spiritual journey. They've shared some things about theirs. And now you are you are ready to get into it. So the next thing you're going to be doing is you're going like, to be like, hey, did you bring a Bible? Uh, if you didn't, if they didn't, you're either going to have an extra one with you or you're going to share with them yours. And uh, you're going to... Typically, you have them read the scriptures. You want the person you're studying with to read the scriptures. Um, at least that's the way I was always taught to do it. Uh, you have them read it, and then you ask them questions based on, on what you read. So it on its on its face, it seems like it's a very like questions based coaching, uh, but really it's more of like a Socratic dialogue where you're trying to lead someone through. Uh, them coming to the right answer on their own. So you're asking some questions, but you're asking questions in a certain way that there, there is, there is a right answer that you're trying, but you're trying to get them to say it uh, themselves. Um, so the first place you'd go, you'd go to Acts 17, 24 to 27. So I'm going to be grabbing my NIV and this is before they changed a lot of stuff. I believe in 2011 or 2008. Um, so Acts 17. Acts 17. Acts 17, 24. All right. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are his 
offspring. So question here that they're saying that you would ask is why does he set up times and places for us? Well, who is he? God, right? Why does it? And so the person, again, might kind of go off on whatever, you know, like that happens to be on their brain. If they're exceptionally chatty, they might be like, oh, wow, you know, I was I was thinking like the purpose and the times and uh, I, maybe I saw something on, on TV, I saw something on the Discovery Channel or I was listening to this podcast and um, the person said about me, no, 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 like what, but what does it say in the text? You know, like what, what does it say? And then they're like, oh, oh, okay. And you, they would maybe look down, maybe you would, you would help them out. Um, you know, could try, try verse 26. From one man, he made every nation of man that they shouldn't have it the whole earth. And he, oh, okay. He determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Why, why, why would he do that? Oh, read one sentence over. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. So, okay. So God set the times and places so that we would reach out for him, right? Yeah, yeah, so that we would seek him, right? Seek, seek is going to be an important word. Uh, why do you think God led us to each other today? You know, like you can talk about all, you can talk about everything they shared. You can talk about them making a decision to, let's say, take a class to, uh, you know, ants to have a conversation probably with the person who's sitting down studying with them to accept an invitation to sit down and study the Bible with them. Uh, it's talking about like, so why, you know, why do you think God led us to each other? So God set times and places. Why do you, why do you think that is? Oh, you know, maybe because, you know, you're going to help me seek for God, or maybe we were destined, destined to come together. You know, God wanted this to happen so that we would, you know, this would happen. You would study the Bible with us today and, and learn about what it really means to, to be a Christian. Um, so one of the problems with this is that, you know, I don't think Paul was necessarily talking about talking about that. I don't think it's, it's fair to say that, you know, it opens up a whole big can of worms that God would set the times and the places so that me and you right here would be sitting down and having this conversation. It's a little presumptuous. Um, you know, what about a person who was born in an Arab country and was Muslim? Does that mean, you know, God doesn't really care what happens to them? Um, you know, they could have, they could have met with anyone else. They could have, you know, so are, we're getting into a situation here where we feel like God is actually controlling people. God's like moving people around like pieces on a chessboard. And one of his, you know, moves was to somehow put it together so that we were going to get it here today. You know, it takes out, it takes out a lot of human agency, takes out a lot of free will. And it's, it just, it's a, it's a little presumptuous that this conversation that we would be having together would, was somehow orchestrated by God um, so that you could, you could seek him because Paul doesn't necessarily say that, right? He's talking about basically, you know, his whole theory that God set the times and the places. And, you know, this is an allusion to Deuteronomy when God talks about when he set off the boundaries of the land and he gave uh, he gave the allotments, he gave the inheritance to all the nations, and he selected Israel as his own, right? Um, so it's alluding to that, you know, and he's kind of giving his whole philosophy of, 
the whole macro structure of the Bible, the whole biblical theology, the whole trajectory of the biblical narrative is, you know, God in search of man and man in search of God. God trying to bring humanity back to where it was supposed to be. Not having a conversation in a Starbucks <laughs> with somebody who, you know, may only know how to do the studies and, you know, may not actually really know how to, may not even possess the tools to actually do good biblical uh, just readings, good biblical readings of the text. It's not something, um, you know, any of us are really born with. It's it's something that can be learned and it can be learned relatively quickly. Um, but, you know, so this is one of those tricky things where it has the appearance that we are taking something right out of the text, but on closer examination, you know, there, there's more things that, that Paul is talking about here. I don't think Paul was necessarily talking about that you know, God orchestrated everything. Now he's here in the Areopagus talking to these, these, these men, these Stoics and Epicureans. And then he goes through this whole thing, uh, you know, and he, so, you know, we would stop there if we were doing a study. So in verse 29, therefore, since we are God's offspring, so the point there is kind of like we were created by God, like we're his offspring. We should not think that divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by a man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. And also, you know, Paul is using a lot of temple language. Uh, you know, temples built by hands. But wait, wait, doesn't your whole religion believe in temples? Yes. Yes, they do. And, and that was, you know, God choosing to live with the Israelites. Uh, but he would even say, like, you know, like, who asked you? Who asked you to build me this temple? You know, this, this is words taken straight out of uh, the Hebrew scriptures, you know, temples built by hands. Well, what is that to me? The earth is my temple. You know, the heavens are my temple. The earth is my footstool, you know? Um, so in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, so this is this is the key theme here in the book of Acts, the resurrection of the dead. It's going to be hit again and again and again and again in different ways. Uh, it's going to be a repeating picture in, in Acts. So kind of the main point of this story is seeing how when Paul presents this idea of the resurrection, how different groups respond. And you can see it here in the Areopagus. You can see it elsewhere uh, before, you know, a Jewish council of Sadducees and Pharisees. Um, you know, Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Pharisees did. So the Pharisees were more receptive. They kind of get a redemption arc in the book of Acts, uh, you know, especially since they, they kind of get poo-pooed on a little bit in the Gospels as a, as a whole. They're kind of cast as the villains from a very superficial point of view. Um, there's really something deeper going on there that the Gospel authors are definitely keying into. Uh, but my main point here is just saying that taking the scripture and, and using it uh, as a, a device, really, to convince somebody or get someone ex excited about, yeah, God has orchestrated my life to this point, so I could be sitting sitting down across from Joe or or James or you know what Jessica, whatever your name is. Um, it's it's a misreading of the text. Um, that's not the intention, right? So. It, pulling that out or using that to say, all right, um, you, you know, we're kind of putting that question in, in someone's head, like, 
why God, why did God lead us today? Why do you think we're sitting down here now as part of your spiritual journey? Almost like this is like some type of culmination or, you know, you're nearing like a point, a climax in your own story of, you know, seeking for God and God seeking for you. Um, so, you know, talking about seeking at that point, right. You know, if I got someone to, you know, get excited about that, they answered that question, right. They saw it right there. I'm feeling good about myself. Um, because in my head, I didn't put anything into that person. I just, just reading the text, just reading the text, man. Let's go over to Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29. So then we would go over to Jeremiah 29. And this is like, again, you would do this, you would do the study with, with so many people, especially when, you know, we used to be a church that was more evangel, evangelistically focused and we, we were more about growth. This is something that, you know, if I didn't do a seeking God of some, if I didn't do a seeking God study of somebody on a given day, it's like, what was I doing with my life? That's how I felt. Like, you know, this is just, you were always kind of like, you always kind of had this study in your back pocket. Um, seeking God, it really wasn't that many studies, just scriptures, just two scriptures. Great. It, at the time, it felt like this was a great conversation opener. So you kind of capitalize on that word seeking, right? God set the times and the places so that men w- would seek him, you know? Uh, maybe you even, you know, referenced Esther. You know, I would often ref- reference Esther for such a time as this, you know? And um, Esther was a great story. To you know, really go into if somebody needed a little bit more, you know, it's a short little book. Um, we obviously didn't go too deep into it because I didn't really know how to go too deep into it at the time. Uh, but that line, you know, for such a time as this, right? You know, like God sets these times for these moments of decision, you know, and uh, I feel like this is one for you now. Like you're coming into something big, and I'm excited for you. And yeah, some stuff that. I would say, and then I've heard others say, but I'm only really going to speak for myself in this study, in this series of where we're going through the studies. All right, so Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. <clears throat> and then I guess, you know, it's saying to end there, but I think I would, I would usually go on. I will, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. So I can see why that's not, that's not there. I will gather you from all the nations. So, yeah. So doing this study with this person, you'd be like, well, you know, What's a practical, because this church uh, prides itself on being theoretically very practical, a uh, practical use of the scriptures. You know, um, I think one thing that many church leaders would say, or many people who have been here a long time, uh, you know, especially since now there are things like the Bible Project, their podcast, their videos, um, something like Bema, you know, where, you know, Bema kind of goes through its whole thing, uh, you know. Um, there's there's all there's all these different lectures and things people can find online. Um, the tools are, are a lot more readily available than they were uh, for myself. 
when I first came into this church, uh, or really, you know, even people earlier than me, people who came into church in the 90s, you know, there really wasn't even like an online concordance. Like if you wanted to do a, if you want to do a word study, you actually had to have a huge book called a concordance that kind of had a list of all, all the words that were in a Bible. It was like a big reference book. Um, if you had a good one, it gave you the Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic words underneath. Uh, if you didn't, you just kind of had a concordance for whatever that translation was and whatever that translation chose to translate whatever Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic word was lying underneath. So, you know, you would ask them, okay, so practically, because we talked about, you know, perhaps men will seek him in Acts 17. What what does it mean to seek God, right? And be like, again, someone might, they might not have gotten it yet. They might be like, well, to me, what seeking God means, I know they'll give you the whole thing and, and as a, as a, as a good good teacher, right? One of the things I was always taught is like, you know, take it back to the textbook. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. That was really great. But what does the text say? Like, we're going to be dealing with, let me ask a lot of questions. And we're going to just try and be dealing just, just what does the text say? And the person like, might go, oh, okay. You know, they might not have caught on yet that this is how it's going to go. Um, and we go, okay, seek. Um, and, you know, you might have to help them out. Try, try verse 13. Right. You will seek me. Oh, seek me. Thank you. Uh, and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. Wow. Okay. I guess that means seeking. God wants us to seek him with our our old heart. So, you know, here's the question. What's a practical way we can seek God with, with all our hearts? And you have this conversation and, you know, and be like, oh, wow, that's really, that's really interesting. So God wants to be found. God uh, wants us to be seeking for him, but we're going to be, we're only going to be able to find him if we seek him with our own, our whole heart. So, you know, does that mean that, you know, you're casually seeking, it's just every now and then, like if you were pursuing something of your, your whole heart, what would that be? What would that look like? Let's say there was a relationship you were going after. You really like this guy or girl, you really wanted to, well, you know, I would only be studying with men. So I'd be like, so you really like this girl? Like, how would you seek her with your own, with your whole heart? Would you call her like, I don't know, like every month or so, like just whenever, you know, like I'll see her when I see her or like, no, would you like, would you be looking for ways to hang out with her? Hey, you want to go grab a coffee? Uh, what you, what you doing right now? You want to hang out? You want to go do something or, you know, like, Hey, let's, let's make, you make plans. Uh, you want to tell her how you feel, right? You want to try and go take her out on dates uh, maybe buy her, buy her some flowers, uh, take her someplace, have some, make some really great memories together, right? You're, you're trying to build a relationship and you're pursuing somebody, you're seeking somebody with their, with your whole heart, right? Or if you're going after a career, there's a career that you're really excited about, right? This isn't something that you would just like, ah, eh, you know, maybe, maybe I'll get that job. Maybe something will happen. No, it's like, you'd make a plan. You would, you would plan it out. You'd make commitments to yourself. You'd really get in there and you would do the best you could just to really go after something. Uh, and seeking God with your whole heart, he would say, is like is like the same thing. God wants to be found by you. God wants, God w- knows the plans he has for you. Doesn't that sound great? 
plans to prosper you, not to harm you. God wants to do good things for you. Um, I've heard, you know, again, I guess I won't talk about other people, but you can think, imagine all the things that God wants to do for you in your life, you know, if only you would seek him, right? God wants you to seek him. Um, so problems of Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, and I think, you know, this is why they would end it at, at 13. Um, I think the, typically the way this scripture was taught to me and the way I would teach it to other people, what I would, I would explain, I would, I would, it would seem like I was giving context to the scripture. I would basically say something along the lines of, well, you know, this is, this is Jeremiah. He's speaking to Israel in exile, right? It's Judah in exile, but whatever. He's speaking to the Jews in exile. Um, and he's saying that, listen, you know, this terrible thing has happened to you, uh, but God loves you and he wants to bring you back. And, you know, this is the heart of God. If he just wants you to seek him, if you seek him, then, then everything would be better. You know, you know, I, we know the end of the story. Obviously they didn't. Right. Um, but this, even though this wasn't spoken directly to you or me, this shows God's heart. God wants to, wants to be found. He wants to be sought. Right. So, uh, yeah. So some problems with this. So yes, this is Jeremiah speaking to, um, the Jew is in exile, you know, and if you go up to verse 10, it says when 70 years are completed for Babylon. Just let that sink in for a second. 70 years. I remember the first time I read through Jeremiah and, uh, I had always loved this scripture. I had gone through so many people and just felt so much life and I was just a little disappointed with myself that I had never read anything around it, you know? 70 years. That's an entire lifetime for many people. It's like a generation, you know? Can you imagine like the good stuff that he's promising? are not even going to be the, to the people that he's speaking to. It's going to be 70 years from now. He's speaking probably to a bunch of adults, 30, 40-year-olds, right? Like, you're not going to be around for that. This is going to be for your kids. And then, you know, the, it didn't actually last 70 years. You know, it, we get later in the prophets because it didn't happen. It, it was going to be even a longer period of time. It was going to be more like 390 years or, or whatever. It going to be hundreds of years, right? So that is an odd use of this scripture because this, the immediacy that this was, this is often presented when you're going through this was not the spirit of the text that Jeremiah is presenting here. Jeremiah is presenting a future hope, like take heart, your kids, you know, or your kids, kids, are gonna they're gonna go back to the land they're gonna be taken out of exile. <sighs> so this is just mind-boggling to me that we would use the scriptures like this so irresponsibly. Uh, you know, because there I think there is a trajectory, there is something to, to be learned here. Um, but I, I I don't think this is this is right in the spirit of reading the text intelligently or reading the Bible on its own terms for us to take something that God said through Jeremiah or something Jeremiah said, right? Jeremiah here is writing this or, or, you know, 
or someone who's writing down in, in the spirit or in the name of Jeremiah, um, something that he was speaking to a group of exiles um, that were never actually going to see anything from, they weren't going to see that those, they weren't going to live to see it. Right. This was going to be for their kids or their kids, kids, or for later generations. Uh, you know, so we can go, we can go on, but I think that it's, it's disingenuous just because those words pulled out of context sound nice and they sound like they sound they sound great they sound like yeah who who wouldn't you know, start getting inspired yeah god has great plans for me i'm gonna go out and do great things and because of this meeting today because i can see that in acts 17 24 to 27 that god orchestrated this whole thing he set these times he arranged for me to go to this college he arranged for me to be a part of this job he arranged for me to get to know you and these people are going to study the bible with me and now you know, I'm going to seek God with all my heart because God has plans to prosper me and bless me, right? No. <laughs> I mean, yes, sort of in a roundabout way, uh, but I think we're inserting ourselves here into the story where there's this, uh, this sense or this idea that this church or these group of people are going to be, or, you know, God has arranged it that through these people, not through anything else that, that that's ever come before, right? Not through anything that has ever happened to you up until this point or will ever happen to you again. This church is special. We are special. We have the church. We have the truth. We're giving this to you now in these Bible studies um, that this is this has been orchestrated by God for you so that you can, you know, learn to seek God and inherit all these these great things. That's not what the scriptures are saying. You know, Paul was talking about the resurrection of the dead, or right? the resurrection. It's a key theme that gets hit again and again in the book of Acts. And, you know, in Jeremiah, it's, he's talking to a bunch of exiles. There's, there's, a, there's a different story going on here, and we're taking little bits and pieces of it, you know, and then the clo- it would lead you right to the closing instructions. Uh, you know, they're saying here, those leading the study can share how they started to seek God. You know, a lot of times you would talk about what it was like for you in the beginning uh, with the church. You know, yeah, I started just going to, to midweeks and I started going to midweeks Sunday and then I was studying the Bible every week and then went from every week to, you know, every day. And then you know, I eventually decided to become a Christian, uh, join, join this church. Uh, explain there are some great Bible studies you would love to do together. So typically you would say, hey, let's get together uh, every week. Let's get, get together every other day. Um, when I was going through it, it was, it was, I think it was definitely like we got together like two or three times a week. Um, I, was a, I was a tough one. It took me like months to get through the studies. I definitely would always have like a lot of questions and wasn't afraid to disagree even even back then. Um, set up the next study, right? Because you don't want to leave it to chance. You just want to say, all right, man, this is cool. This is great. Definitely get together soon. And, and you're worried about, I guess we really didn't have tech. We didn't have phones to text back then. But, you know, now you're worried. You'd be like, hey, you want to study again? We you study again? No, no, you set, you set that up right there, right? You get out your calendar. You get out your phone. And you're going to put it in, um, put that in. And then you're going you're gonna to invite them to an event. So when we were doing the campus ministry, uh, we always had an event. So, you know, we, we always, we had our Bible talks 
midweek, like Wednesday, we had a whole machine going on. So it's like, hey, we're having an open mic this Friday night, or hey, we're all getting together and we're watching some some movies. If it was like, it was fall, October, we're gonna make some hot cocoa, and we're gonna we're gonna you know watch some scary movies. It's gonna be really fun, you know. Or we would we do camping trips or different things where we we always had something to. Hey, we finished the study, let's set up the next study, and hey, could you come out to to this? Uh, when I was going through it, the campus ministry really didn't have much going on. Um, there was only like a handful of, of other college students when I was going, when I, when I had been introduced to the church and they were studying the Bible with me. Um, I, I, I feel like we got together almost, if it wasn't, I think at first it was, it was going to be every day. And then when they realized, okay, this guy's going to be a little bit tougher. Like, you know, he's not, it's going to be a little bit more of a, a discussion. It's going to kind of stretch out over several weeks. It was more of like, all right, we got together like, once a week, every other week, not every other week, every other day, you know, but I was, I was being invited to all these things too. So I was always hanging out with people from the church, um, you know, and at the time I felt like, oh, this is great. I have all these really cool friends in my life, not, not realizing that I was very much in a sales funnel and I was being, you know, or a conversion funnel or, you know, I was, I was being, I was being pushed through something. The idea of, you know, really can't, didn't want to leave me alone too much. But what I would, what I would do different would be just, I would just say, just show him Jesus. You know, like I think Jesus Himself is compelling. You know, um, or just what's the rush? <laughs> you know, like your life should be so compelling as a Christian that people should want to get to know what you're about. And so I, I think what that means is just. You know, being a great, being a great friend, being a great person, being a great human being, um, being a great neighbor to the people around you, um, inviting them in, inviting them out to events that your church has, doing fun things together, building memories. And then if they ever ask, just show them Jesus, you know, or if, if you want to ask them, I think that's okay. I think it's okay to ask people. Uh, I think we're, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to be, you know, sharing with people. Share with them about Jesus. I think Jesus himself is compelling enough. Who wouldn't want to follow Jesus? You know, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, it's one of the most beautiful things ever put together or written. Uh, I would want to follow that person. Um, maybe just actually teaching them the whole trajectory of the Bible, just going through some points, going through Genesis 1 through 11, showing that it connects to the story of Israel and how the story of Israel connects to the story of us and the story of God bringing the world back together through Jesus. And how Jesus calls us to push that, that story forward as well. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed our timeline study or the Seeking God study. I definitely enjoyed talking about it. Um, definitely looking forward to having some great conversations with people inside the ICOC and outside the ICOC who used to be part of the ICOC uh, about this thoughts. What do you think? Do you even do a timeline study or a seeking God study? Is this just, you don't do it. What do you do? You know, like, um, do you still consider your church to be evangelistic? Uh, I thought that that was the main point of our church is that, you know, we were growing, and that was one of the signs that we were actually 
a healthy church or a good church because we, we were actually growing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe people don't believe that anymore. But uh, that's it for today. Thanks, guys, for coming. And I will see you next time when we will go through the Word of God study. As many of you guys know, in case you don't know, uh, I've been a disciple. Uh, well, I've been a Christian member of. It's going to be one of those days. All right, let's start again. Bada 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 bing bada 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 My dog's going crazy. Yes, my dog is very concerned that I'm speaking to myself. And hopefully she settles down soon. Go lay down. Go lay down. Where's your moo? Good girl. Lay down. Thank you.